The underdog is howling. Stanford Steve and the Bear. Ah, yes. A home team getting points. What's better than that? Welcome in. Week one. Week one. It's time for picks. But, Bear, um, we have to finish our season previews for the conferences. Uh, People have been pretty nice about the reaction instead of the people we might have forgot. Sorry about Minnesota, but I will blame our Big Ten Producer Travis, who didn't remind us to uh, get Minnesota in, and that just tells you what he thinks of you guys because Ohio State plays Minnesota week one. So we will get a Minnesota preview when we talk Ohio State, Minnesota. Does that work? Producer, you're forgiven. Yeah, uh, I mean, here's your pick. Ohio State, give the points. Let's go. All right. We don't say that that term on this podcast. Everyone says it, those two words. Bear, how are we doing? Charlotte tomorrow morning? Charlotte, Charlotte Thursday morning, yes. Okay. And then, uh, and then back to Atlanta for for Monday night, uh, Louisville. Oh, that's uh, right, Atlanta. All with, right. With on the call. Um, I did appreciate Chip Kelly, our guy, giving you a shout out, asking for that Travers pick. Uh, what a race! Um, it was a hell of a race. It was one of those weeks at Saratoga for me where I was on the wrong side of every inconsistent stewards ruling, mm-hmm. so I was ready mad. And then for Miguel Mana to give a terrible ride on a horse that should have been on the lead. And as soon as he didn't go to the front, I'm like, okay, this, this could be nothing else now except for essential quality over Midnight Bourbon. Nobody else has a chance. Just That's it. Midnight, Midnight Bourbon gallop along. After an unbelievable couple of weeks, it was a, a crappy weekend. And we'll see what happens at, at, at Saratoga on Wednesday. They have a massive carryover and it's raining. And I hate carryover days when it rains and they might come off the turf. So, all right, finishing. Our season previews with two conferences that uh, don't get talked about enough, so we want to make sure we touch on them. First, let's start in the SEC East Bear. Your Georgia Bulldogs are atop uh, everybody's predictions, projections, picks. I'm sure we're going to get into Georgia when we talk Clemson. Mm -hmm. When you look at the East, who do you like to come in second? Now, it's hard to get a book to find who comes in second in the SEC East. But when you look at those other teams, uh, we obviously put Georgia in its own tier in that division. Who do you come in, see coming in second? I trust Florida to be 5-3 and three more than I think I trust Kentucky to be 5-3. and three. Okay. That, that makes sense. I mean, you, you assume Florida's going to lose to Georgia. You assume, assume Florida's going to lose to Alabama. And they'll probably lose one of those other road games along the way. But I, I can't see worse than five and three. Whereas while I like Kentucky, like I, I think five and three is is the, the ceiling for them as well. But mm-hmm. the prob- with the new quarterback, the new coordinator, uh, a lot of mm-hmm. pressure on them, some of the offseason issues that they've had, four and four could be a possibility for them uh, in, in the SEC. So I, I would still say... Florida second, Kentucky third, chance that they both go five and three. All right. I'm going to go Kentucky. Florida's one of those teams that we talked about a bunch in these previews where I need to see it first. I need to see Emory Jones at quarterback. I know Mullen's great with quarterbacks, but I just feel like they lost a ton off that roster. We know uh, I would think he had a little motivation knowing how he treated the Cotton Bowl and what they did you know, with spring ball and knowing what, how many guys they had to replace on there, so it's uh, it's interesting to me to see how that plays out. Obviously, Kentucky, Missouri, week two is a huge game in that division. 
Uh, Missouri second year under Coach Drinkwitz. I expect them to be better. They got a big game at my at my Boston College, I believe, the following week. Miz is 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 all eyes on them this year. Uh, looking at, I mean, they got this. They got the quarterback uh, Bazelik, um back or Basilak. How do I say Basilak. Um, you know, impressed me as a, as a, as a true frosh uh, last year. So things are on the up and up in Columbia. Uh, when you look at the other three. For Florida, by the by the way, Florida under five and a half conference wins was something that I played uh, over. All right, at South Point. There we go. So, Get it in, I, people. I don't, know if, I don't know if that's still available out there or not, but that was something. Search. That I just Three teams, first year head coach in that division: South Carolina, Vanderbilt, Tennessee. Any promise? Mm-hmm. Anybody you see? I don't feel confident seeing anyone's going over their season win total. I'll no. just say that with those three teams. Um, I think they got a lot of work to do. South Carolina, I guess, might have a little more stability when it comes to when you look at those three teams with the roster. Um, But it's nothing um, that I can talk too well about. So my mom always said, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say it. So I don't see seven wins for Tennessee at all. Not only the numbers of players that the balls lost, the, the quality of the players that they lost. I don't think they're going to win any of the SEC road games, and there's certainly no lot to beat. I mean, they'll probably lose all this at home. I mean, I think six and six is a ceiling, and more oh, like five and seven, four and eight. That's a win, yeah, huge win. For that I, I, I think Josh Heupel would take six and six. And yeah, I, if I any of those three go to a bowl game, that's a huge win. I, I, um, I, don't, I don't think he would admit that <laughs> publicly because no, I think people get pissed can't. off. But. But 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 I, I think six and six is probably and, and and Vandy like, I mean who are you who are you beating? I mean you, no. you won't win an SEC game. You can get under under three SEC wins for Tennessee, and you can get under one and a half wins for for Vanderbilt as well. So uh, those I, like I thought those I thought those numbers were uh were pretty good, and uh, yeah, again those were available at South Point. I'm sure our listeners were able to find those <laughs> those types of plays all over the interweb. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Yeah, so when you look at the West, uh, I start at the bottom. Arkansas' schedule is fascinating to me. Are they in trouble? To, no, I don't want to say trouble. Would it surprise you at all to see all Rice sneak in there and just kind of hang around? Because it wouldn't me. No, no, not at all. Um, the way Bloomgren's gone about that roster, I know everybody's going to talk about McCaffrey coming in and transferring. I believe he's going to start, although both quarterbacks I do expect to play. But, I mean, Rice going up to Army when, I mean, everybody was all in on Army because they remembered how bad Rice was the year before. But Rice is a lot of spunk to that team. And Arkansas – don't try and tell me you don't have eyes on next week. Just, just don't even. Oh, don't even, no. You, you, totally. You, you can't help yourselves but see that burnt orange coming in uh, next week. So, yes, that's orange that's a lot of points. It's not going to be a pretty game. I mean, Arkansas is 20-point favorites, and the over-under is 50. That's one of those. <laughs> uh, I, I, You know, I, I, I have a good feeling what to expect there. I just don't trust either team 
uh, when it comes to a first game and, and knowing what's at stake and what lies ahead for each team. Uh, but Arkansas, I think six and six is a win. I don't see them beating AM at home. So that gets you down to five and seven, which I think is fine. Um, as I said, in the West, I know everybody's, you know, expects more from Corral at Ole Miss, expects more with Will Rogers at Mississippi State, expects more from Max Johnson at LSU, Haynes King stepping into a full roster. Alabama is Alabama. Everyone in that division cannot go over their win total. It's it can't happen. Mathematically impossible. It it can't happen. So I would take Arkansas as a win at five and seven, even though you want more and 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 Coach Pitt got you going, but that's the ultimate ceiling, and I, I don't see that happen because I still can't trust you as good as it was. Um, and in an unbelievable turnaround last year, I still think you got your work cut out for you. Last year, they surprised so many people, mm-hmm. and, and people making fun of the hire. Who's Sam Pitt? And they know they're going to be terrible, and, and to go out and do what they did, I, I think that kind of accelerated expectations a little bit and they're not quite far as far along as they think they are. So that's why I think, yeah, it could be a little bit of a disappointing year yep. for Arkansas in, in that sense, even though they are absolutely on the right track. Uh, that's what gets, gets us to the Mississippi schools. If I had to pick one or the other, I would say Ole Miss uh, has a better season. Uh, now that could mean, you know, whatever, who's six and six and whoever wins that egg bowl, I think would could be considered a successful season. But I do expect Rodgers to be a lot better. I think that Mike Leach deal is, is, is real because when you talk about his system and in that conference and then with no spring ball the year prior and then bringing in Costello and that's all reps based, man. They just, they just try and take what you get. And LSU in that first game just stayed with their plan and, and you saw how capable that Mississippi State office in the leech system is. Uh, but I do think Rodgers is the guy there. Um, it took a while, obviously, with, with, with playing Costello and, and, and him playing himself out of there. I'm not crazy excited. Again, I think six and six, seven and fives is a good season for Mississippi State. Can they get there? I'm not banking on it. This division, uh, and we get to the top teams, um, is still an unknown to me, and I need to see a lot more. So I'm not confident in saying what I feel will happen with Mississippi State. I'm not either because, I mean, NC State is a non-conference game that's, that's yeah. tough. Alabama and LSU at home, which are likely losses. I'm not feeling six and six for Mississippi State. Even even the road game in Memphis won't be uh, an easy game for them, even though I'm not sure Memphis is uh, the Memphis that we remember from a couple of years ago. I don't see over seven and a half either for Ole Miss. They have to show – now, no, now look. Lane, Lane will tell you that these wide receivers that they have are, are yep. like put, put them up against anyone in the country, but defensively they still need to be a lot better than um, than, than they were last year. And, and they got a couple of transfers coming in who certainly could help them, but I just think they're still going to be in too many of those high-variance games where there's going to be a ton of points scored and, and the opportunities to lose will, will, will be there. Um, they, they'll probably be, for, for people who like high-scoring games, one of the more entertaining teams to watch this year. But I don't, I don't know if that translates to to eight and four. I'm surprised this number's hit 10 this week against Louisville. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not super high on Louisville, but at the same time, for this number to open up at seven or whatever it is and get steamed up to 10, I, I don't know if I'd be too interested in laying double digits right off the bat with the Rebels. 
Uh, it's interesting how similar the feel is around like Louisville Satterfield coming in after that first, you know, that first year. And then they had a lot of expectations last year. And what did they do? They just turned the ball over like crazy. And when I look at Ole Miss Corral, I believe he had 13 of his picks in three games and those were all losses. So you got to clean that up. I got to see more consistency on the offensive side. And yeah, show me something Monday night, go out and, and take care of business as that line keeps going up. That scares me off of that game. Um, and that gets to the challenger to, to Alabama in, in the West. I feel confident in A&M. Uh, Jimbo with his new contract extension, I think that gets him to 10 more years. All you're trying to do here is create a clause in there. Mm-hmm. To, if he were to leave, that you're going to recoup some money. Because the initial contract, yeah. I don't think, had – I mean, he was able to walk for – for, for, for free, and it wouldn't surprise me if, if Scott Woodward and Jimbo wrote that contract up like that for, mm-hmm. for Jimbo to go to Baton Rouge at some point. But I don't know. That's just my spitballing theory. But I think that contract is just about uh, creating a little bit of safety for, for A&M should Jimbo uh, opt to look elsewhere. I do think A&M's a better football team than LSU. I expect I them too. to finish with a, with a better record than LSU. Uh, we'll talk LSU when we when we talk about their game in the Rose Bowl this week. But I expect high things. I, I, I think A&M has a very – I think it's the best chance Alabama has at losing a game this year. Um, I know people, uh, you know, talk about, you know, Jimbo and how he's going to – you know, how stubborn is he going to be. They want to see more from those five stars and four stars. He has that wide receiver. Um, I think Haynes King is what they want. Uh, you know, I, I still feel like AM, nobody was hired, you know, on their team. And then when they had Manziel and he had that athletic ability and making plays out of the pocket, he's, you know, Haynes King's more athletic, you know, as good as Kellen Mond uh, was and, and played his best ball when they needed him, needed him to. Um, I, I think it's a different dynamic. And when it comes back down to it, you know, Jimbo's going to want to run the ball and he has the, the recruits to replace those offensive line guys. Uh, Spiller is still as tough as they come when it comes to running the football and that defensive line, I think Leal is, is up there along with what Will Anderson's a man child at Alabama. Leal is, is right there for me. I expect them to be, to rely on their defense uh, to get these things going at the start of the season to become undefeated when Alabama rolls in. Do, do you think the average college football fan realizes and understands like how young this A&M team is? No. So many. I, I think they. I think they realize it at quarterback, but yes. all of them. I mean, Spiller's only a sophomore. All their wide receivers are freshmen and sophomore. Lately, Al's a sophomore. I mean, th- this is. I get the the thought that they can challenge Alabama this year, but, mm-hmm. but I, I almost get the sense that like they're like next year is their year when when these guys are juniors. Yeah. Like then it's. It's like it's it's like out there. It, it's so funny, by the way. You, uh, just to do a little bit of a tangent, you mentioned like how uh, this is the game at A and M is Alabama's best chance to lose. I didn't realize there was such a strong, passionate Kansas State fan base out there on in, in the world. Because on on game day on Saturday, I had mentioned about uh, Kansas going under one Big Twelve win was one of the. The win, the win totals that I really like this season. Mm-hmm. And on the show, I mentioned, I said, maybe uh, maybe Lance Leipold pulls an upset against Kansas State, maybe pull an upset against Texas Tech. And 
Uh, I said those are going to be uh, the Kansas game will be the Kansas State game will be the smallest line of the year. That's the best chance to pull an upset. And you would have thought that I picked Kansas to beat Kansas State outright, but based on the reaction online, uh, I, I was told look at some history. And, oh, you yes. look at history. Yeah, no, I, I, need to, I need to. I need to look at some history. You are series, history. You'll appreciate this too. I, I was told that uh, a win over Stanford will get them that national respect that they deserve. Oh. Lord. Beating Stanford, a team that's projected to go four and eight yeah. this year, according to the win totals, in a in a, in a toss up game on a neutral site. That's that'll get them their national respect. We'll we'll get to the Cardinal uh, in, in a <laughs> bit. Anyway, uh, anyway, yeah. back to back to A and M. Now, I, I I agree that they're they're the second best team uh, in the in the SEC West. Um, they got games that they they, they should be. Five and zero. Just looking at that schedule, yeah. the, the game in Denver, the game in in Arlington against Arkansas, which was weird because they always seem to play those games tight. Back when Summy was there, they should be undefeated when they host Alabama on October 9th. and then we we go from there. Let's go to the ACC. Let's go to the Atlantic. Interesting team. I mean, I know it's it's Clemson and everybody. I want to see NC State. I want to see Wake Forest. Uh, I've talked plenty of times about how much I love Boston College because of the makeup of that roster and what they bring to the table as far as a quarterback, offensive line, Halfley calling the defense, and them going toe-to-toe with Clemson last year. Uh, I think they have the goods uh, to possibly win double-digit games this year. I really do. I mentioned the monster game against Missouri. Uh, When they come in, that's a a huge game for them playing an SEC school. Um, so I think when you look at it, who comes in second, I would take Boston College uh, when it comes to that question when you look at the Atlantic. Um, yeah, I'd probably agree with that. I, 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 I think it, you don't yeah. want to, though. You don't want to with that long pause. No, I'm, I'm, I'm just looking at <laughs> yeah, but based on the schedules and, and, and stuff, I, I would say BC. NC State needs to be so much better defensively. Yes, uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing them in the, in the opener mm-hmm. against South Florida. I mean, just got obviously familiar bringing a North Carolina transfer quarterback. Uh, they were terrible last year, but and, and NC State, if Larry can stay healthy, if that defense improves, then they. I guess I should maybe maybe this is the better way of saying. It. I feel better about knowing that NC State is going to be like eight and four based on them, just you beat the team you should beat. You don't mm-hmm. beat the team you should. Whereas with BC, I think the ceiling is higher, mm-hmm. but at the same time, they could find themselves in some games along the way that that could that could trip them up and they could fall below that eight and four and be, be six and six or seven and five like they've been for every year for the last 30 years, it seems. Um, I have said all preseason, Florida State's the biggest wild card to me. Maybe in the and when you look at power fives, because I have no you idea what they're so? going to look like. You think you I just think I just with the roster turnover, like I honest, I don't even know what they're going to look like. You know, I have an idea. Um, you know, with the head coach and, and knowing his system, bringing it over from Memphis, but you know, you have two different. You have Travis. You have McKenzie. You have the transfer. You have the linebackers. Like it just feels like they could be totally different looking than they were last year. And obviously, there's still holes on the line of scrimmage um, on both sides. But, like, you know, they're going to be in a big spot. All eyes are going to be on them when Notre Dame comes in, and I have no idea what to expect. Will they be able to score with Notre Dame? Will they be able to slow them down? I have no idea because of the unknown and what that that, that roster 
I look at it and I see that's what that that's all in that sense of no wild card. Yes, I, I get I get that. I guess I was more looking at it from a a, a one loss record type standpoint where I mean, I think they're pretty much cemented like five and seven. Yeah, I, I was, that's why I, that's why that's why I, I was considering like wild card in reference to the record, not actually what you're going to see on the field. This defense has been awful. Yep. I mean, terrible, awful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't anticipate that getting much better. I, I will say this. I am absolutely rooting for Mackenzie Milton. Yes. No, no. The, the fact that he is like back on the field and in like playing incredible and could start. It, it's just amazing. So I am, I am rooting for him, but, but, but I think his defense is going <laughs> to allow some points and put yeah. a lot of pressure on that Florida State offense. I don't see a bowl. No, but it wouldn't be surprised. Like I wouldn't be that shocked if they went seven and five. I, I really, I mean, it's still they are still playing conference games in the ACC. I right. do want to say I would be feel confident in the next best team behind BC being that Wake Forest team. And I just want to take a second here. See Florida State, by the way, like at North Carolina, at mm-hmm. Clemson, at BC, November twenty, mid November. Let's go to BC. Yeah, and, and then at Florida, that's tough. I'd like to just reach out to all the, the 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 Syracuse football fans that I used to hear from all the time, because I don't hear from <laughs> anyone from Syracuse anymore. Um, and I just want to let you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here. If you need to reach out, um, let me know. I'm, I'm, I'm here for you. And, uh, man, I, I can't. That, whew, they're a pick them against at Ohio. Good luck. Good luck. What's the number there? Um, they had the 110. 110- the, the 10 win season, yeah. 10 and three in 2018. And then what, what is it like 14 and 40 or something in the other, in the other four years, it is bad. It's, it's something ridiculous like that. Uh, the, the, the one, the one year one, the one year blip to get your expectations. Up. I mean, the offensive line is so bad. I, I thought about going under three wins Me too. Uh, for, for Syracuse here, assume the win over Albany. But, but other than that, like, like there isn't a, <laughs> There isn't a guaranteed win on the schedule after the I mean if, if you're if you're a pick them and pick them at Ohio basically you're gonna yeah be a, that's that's you're what gonna be a home dog against Rutgers you'll be a home dog against Liberty and, and that's it yeah you can take your chances week one and not even worry about a season win total if you're not confident <laughs> against them yeah um, yeah that yeah that really that could be a they they not, they they got no chance of going over if they don't win this week correct the coastal. Um, obviously, Miami and Carolina uh, are atop there. I think uh, I give the edge to Carolina. I understand. And that's not even remembering last year. I just I, – I trust them all. But Mac, what he has. Miami, we know the opener. We'll get to that in a second. But any of these other teams, like, you want to make a prediction on pit football? Like, that's – Six and six. All right. I don't even need to look at the schedule. Okay. Pit, pit six and six. June 6th is pit football day, just like – August 4th used to be a Bo Pelini day. Um, Duke, Georgia Tech, Virginia, Virginia Tech. Um, I got I, – I, it's a wait and see for me. I got, I have no plays on those season win totals. Um, we will talk Virginia Tech and Carolina here in a, in a second. Uh, but let's get fired up for Coach K's last year in, in Durham because uh, I, don't, I don't think that um, the football season is going to bring much promise. Does that line kind of stink – Against Charlotte too. Mm. You're, only, yeah. you're, only, you're, you're six and a half against an in-state school that 
I want to say they beat him by 42 points last year. Recently started. Yeah. Yeah. 53-19. Yep. All right. There you go. Bad math. I I was just, I I just literally had the score here in front of me. You get Northwestern and Kansas on your schedule. There you go. Yeah, Northwestern's better than them, aren't they? Even even yeah, I was gonna say that's I was saying you win those two games, that's a win. But yeah, circle that Northwestern because that's gonna be a must win for them. Do you have Carolina or Miami winning? The division? Carolina. Carolina. Okay, so we both have Carolina playing Clemson there. And that would be awesome. Uh, because that would be I would bet on My a shot. top ten matchup, maybe a top eight matchup between those two teams if they both get there. Although I will say Carolina's this- got some work to do. It is a dangerous, dangerous game Friday night at Lane Stadium. You know what? Let's start Massively there. Massively dangerous. Let's game. start there because I've said it a couple of times. People have asked me what what you're interested in seeing, and I know Carolina has. You know, we we know what they've lost. Those guys have looked really well in the NFL preseason with the two receivers and the two running backs. I know they're getting their offensive line back. The defense obviously needs to show improvement. But when you look at what's at stake here and what they're coming into, Virginia Tech, as desperate as a fan base as there is, as hungry as a fan base as I could, I could predict, to have a home game on a Friday night and, and let's bring them in. You look at the last two times these two teams have played. Last time in Blacksburg, I believe it was a six-overtime game. The yep. Last year in Chapel Hill, 56-45. Um, you have to think the defense for Virginia Tech is going to show up and be better. And then I just – this game, the line, I, I expected it to be more points, so it's a line that stinks to me. And I totally could see – expected it to be more? Yeah, you, I thought you, it would you, be you seven. You thought it would be over a touchdown? Okay. I did. I did. Just because of the prowess that Howell brings and, and you know, the love that Mac Brown always has, I just – I could easily see – this game with Howell with the ball in his hands down a score in the fourth quarter. I, I, I totally could see that. Yep. Um, I, I think the place is going to be bananas. It's a six o'clock tip or a kick. I just think this has all the makings for, you know, let's all right. You know, it's a Friday night. Everybody's watching. Oh, this kid's supposed to be a Heisman trophy winner. Let's Oh, why is it Carolina's down 14, nothing in the first half. Like it just, I could just see that playing out. Now, when you talk to Carolina, they're as confident as hell in the in the recruits that they're going to bring in to replace these guys, but that offensive yeah, super line, super confident on the defensive side of the ball. They think yes. their defense is going to be much improved, than and it needs were, to be, and it should be. Yes, that yes, it should be. You know, um, but it's just it, it feels like one of those games where you know, if I'm Carolina, get me out of there with a win. I don't care what it takes, uh, but I, I just want to see you know how with that offensive line, hostile environment you know, doing the work they should be doing that I expect from a top 10 team on the Rome in their home opener with a veteran star quarterback. I agree with you. I, I think this is a game for, for North Carolina. Like last year they had the game in Tallahassee where they came off that big one over Virginia Tech and it was, oh, wow, we're, we're, we're undefeated and we're ranked highly. And then you went on the road as a big favorite and lost. Uh, this, this is, I think, is where you need to show uh, the maturity, especially of, of the defensive side of the ball and and how this is a game with, that you need to go. If, if you are expected, if you think uh, you can play Clemson in the ACC championship game and potentially win, this is a game mm-hmm. that you have to win. But but I agree. This is, I feel very, very queasy if I were laying 
five and a half or six points in this game uh, w- w- with Carolina, just, just because of everything that went on in Blacksburg in the offseason, the players leaving and uh, figuring things out at the quarterback position, uh, evening game. Yeah, yeah, it, it, I, I think Carolina will win, but, but I, I see the game playing out a lot like you do, where this uh, you're, you're going to look and it's, oh, wow, Virginia Tech's up 27-23 late in the fourth quarter. Mm. And, and then Carolina winds up getting a score to win, something like that. Hey, and if Carolina comes in and and, and, and runs all over them and throws all over them, hey, we got and the something. Now. And the expectations we got something. Yep. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's that's gonna be awesome Friday. Let's back up to Thursday. Let's get our Minnesota in here as they host the Buckeyes. Now it's up to 14 over under 63. So many teams went through so much last year, and they were mm-hmm. one of I, I can remember the the opening game of the year, the the Michigan game just Hearing like, like he's not playing, he's not playing. He's yeah, not it was playing. like right he's before kickoff. Playing. He's not playing. And I'm like, oh boy, and, and and they they were gutted on the offensive line and certain players. I I think the the biggest question I ha- I do have for Minnesota though, seriously, I mean it's, it's an obvious one, but but can uh can Chris Oppen Bell like step up from that number two to that to that number one in order for Morgan to to bounce back and have the type of year that he had a couple of years ago. Uh, with that, without Bateman, uh, I think Altman Bell, and then someone else is going to have to step up and be that that trusty number two as well. So yeah, and God only knows what was going through Morgan's head last year. Is you know he was doing his family stuff and mm-hmm. had those situations around there. But I, I trust Fleck. I mean, he's obviously a former receiver himself. He's done a great job of getting receivers in. We saw how good Morgan looked when he was throwing NFL receivers, as you mentioned. But to me, it comes down to that offensive line where they got some serious size. Will they be able to block the more athletic guys for Ohio State who need to prove themselves, seeing mm-hmm. how shaky that defensive line, or I should say that defense as a unit was last year um, in, in Columbus. But Ibrahim, maybe the most underrated running back in yes. the country, um, he's phenomenal. And I think you, you're going to see a fleck a, uh, approach game plan in trying to play some keep away. You know they 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 do some really cool stuff with their with their inside run game. You know they'll 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 make you you know get try and get some eye candy where they have Ibrahim coming downhill, and Ohio State knows it. Um, you talk to them, they're they're excited. I'll I'll take a D line coach and Larry Johnson getting a getting a unit ready uh, more than anybody in the country. But it's you know expect a big crowd, expect a conference game on the road, double digit home dog. Um, C.J. Stroud first start. A lot going on here. I do feel like a couple of years ago when you guys went to Indiana and, and Indiana had the lead at halftime uh, on that Thursday night to open the season, I could see that scenario yeah. playing out where like Ohio that. State, you know, gets it cranked up and then all of a sudden Ohio State's going up and down the field. A lot of pressure on the Minnesota defense. And, you know, with Ohio State, we've talked about it. They're in a class all their own talent-wise when it comes to this conference. Um but I, I don't want any business of giving the 14 or taking the 14. If I had to take over? anything, I would take the over. I would. Um, just because I think the way Day calls plays, knowing it's a 60-minute game and knowing what, where he's going to have advantages, the, the Buckeyes receiver uh, group is, is just stupid good. And I could just see them getting them in space, and, and right. maybe it takes a little bit of time to get there. I was going to say, I do think the fact that Ohio State has a conference game this week, mm-hmm. and it's on a Thursday. Helps them kind of 
get the Oregon clutter out of their head and not really look past that game um, to the Oregon game. So I wouldn't necessarily, I wouldn't expect like Ohio state to completely like sleepwalk and here after the game, Oh, we were worried about Oregon or thinking about mm-hmm. Oregon. I don't think uh, that's going to be the case. I, I think Ohio state is clearly focused on, on the Minnesota game and I, I would expect them to come out and, now, now the issue: How much do you show? I, I would think Ryan Day wouldn't would care about that. He'll no. Here's no. what we have. Exactly. We can. We're playing a conference game on the road with a with a rookie quarterback. We're we're going yeah. to get a win. Yeah. And exactly. By all and by, by, and by the way, they're 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 going to be just fine with the defensive line with the young kids that they have. Yes. An embarrassment of riches. Mm-hmm. So our our, our, uh, our guy our guy Travis should be ecstatic on Thursday night watching this. He game. already is. He already is. He just woke up because he heard Ohio State. It's it's the back half of the defense that is the nervous side of me. With what are they replacing four linebackers in that secondary was not good. That's the part that has me nervous. Seven Banks like one of the most overrated players in the country. I mean, I saw him on some like pre-draft stuff. I'm like, what has he shown that you are putting him in the first round of the NFL draft next year? And then Cam Brown, Sean Wade, and then Cam Brown coming off an Achilles. So that's the nervous side. The front, the front four. Like you said, Larry Johnson, I'm good. Yeah, exactly. I just <laughs> give, give me four guys, put those jerseys on them, give them a couple individual periods where Larry Johnson will be ready to go. Seven Eastern, Boise State, UCF at the Bounce House, Sports Center with Scott Van Pelt to follow. Awesome quarterback matchup. Um, you know, Brer, we did those uh, rankings of positions before the season for .com, and – I really wanted to put I put I put Gabriel higher than Spencer Rattler. Uh that's what I think of him. Uh I I just love the way how easy he makes everything look. And when I think about them this year, and I know he's had, you know, above average talent at the wide receiver position, I just think about the dynamic of having Malzahn call plays with a quarterback this accurate. And I think that's a dynamic that we haven't seen. And I, I would be I would feel you know. Pretty excited if I was UCF. Boise State, obviously, Avalos is, is coming in, you know, with his de- defensive mindset. This is an awesome game just to sit back yes. and watch on a Thursday night. Um, I have zero ex- – I, I, I don't know what to expect. The over-under 68, UCF's a five-point favorite. I don't want any of that because I I wouldn't be expected if it's a low-scoring – I wouldn't be surprised if it's a low-scoring game. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a high-scoring game. Um, but it's a sit-back and watch. Yeah. is kind of high for me. Yeah, that's that just tells me looking at oh UCF's at home, knowing how good they've been offensively, humidity it's could be a factor, different. you know. And you got a defensive minded head coach at, at, at Boise State with a team that likes to run the football. Mm-hmm. Like sixty eight seems high. Yeah, I mean, I mean, um, you're basically saying someone's going to get into the forty. Like, definitely, someone's getting into the forties there. I don't know. I I got a couple SEC three SEC teams given a boatload. This week, and I want to give you a would you rather. Would you rather take Auburn minus 36 and a half against Akron, Kentucky giving 31 to UL Monroe, or Tennessee land 35 against Bowling Green? Tennessee minus 35 against Bowling Green. Because of Bowling Green? Yes. All right. I would take Kentucky minus 31 over over your Warhawks. That That would be number two. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, it's, it's – the, the, the Vols are not going to have many chances this year to go out and have a lot of fun. 
So I, I think <laughs> I think this will be uh, one of, and it, first game for Hypo. I I, I I think this and and remember a couple of years ago they were a big home favorite against Georgia State and lost. <laughs> so I don't know how many players are left over on that team because I think the entire team is gone. Yeah, but uh, I, I would I would think, but Bowling Green is. Whew. Good crew on that game. Cole Kubelik on the sidelines, Jordan Rogers, Tom Hart yep. uh, in Knoxville. And then they'll be in Gainesville Saturday night uh, for the Gators. So that'll be good. When it does come to Thursday night, Bear, I have, if you want to sit back, I have a three-team teaser for you on Thursday. We do. All right. Get, well, to, get we, the juices going. Get the juices going on opening night. All right. All right. Here we go. Here we go. Rutgers, NC State. And our pirates from ECU. We're gonna take ECU up, up, up to uh, up to what nineteen? Yep. Get Rutgers down to four, and then get NC State down to nine. Have some fun with that one for the people okay. if they want a little teaser to get their get the juices going on the Thursday night, the first Thursday night of the season. You wouldn't want to tease Ohio State down to no down to five. No, I had them circled. I I would just. I would I, I don't want anything to do with that game. I, I don't know. I just have a weird feeling about it. I went through and put together a uh, a money line parlay mm-hmm. where it's, it's it's pretty close to even money. And there are a couple of games on uh on Thursday night that I would put I would put NC State in there. Okay. They were like minus a thousand Ohio State. Ohio State was like minus six hundred. They're not gonna lose. They're gonna no. lose to Minnesota. Uh, Cincinnati, Alabama. Georgia Tech, Oregon, and USC. Those that was a, uh, a seventeen money line parlay that you, uh, returns ninety ninety one ninety two bucks. Okay, bucks. So that some people think San Jose State might have a chance against SC. I don't. I, I can't see SC losing that game to uh, to San Jose State. Maybe those games are a little bit closer than SC might might think. But typically, mm-hmm. um, they have won those games where they have been. Uh, big, I mean, they're 24 and I'm under Helen. It's a double digit favorite outright. So maybe they don't have a, a winning ATS record, but they, they, they win the game. <laughs> uh, Friday night, we got the Carolina Vatech game, uh, Michigan State Northwestern. You mentioned McElroy likes Sparty in that one. Uh, what is that over under? Which 45. Is, which is, I hope, I hope he's wrong because I have that under five mm. Michigan State win. Yeah, that's a big one when it comes to that. This was one of the ones that I thought they had a chance. I think that's uh, more of a, I think that's more of a, a reaction on Northwestern and everything that they lost as mm-hmm. opposed to people actually thinking Michigan State is going to be. But, they had in, hey, injuries in camp too. All right, so then that gets us to Saturday. You have any – and obviously I say this all the time. Um, if you need confirmation, I'm sure Barrel will have that money line parlay. In the column yep. on ESPN.com, uh, that'll be up Thursday. Uh, we'll get those written tonight. If you already don't have yours, I don't have mine written yet. Um, I have I have most of mine written. I only have two games in there right now that I that I that I like. Okay. Yes, but but I have I have the money line parlay. I have some underdog suggestions uh, to play on the money line, and I have a bunch of little little notes and nuggets. Okay, well, let's start with those two games that are going to be in the column for sure. It's no, it's no secret. Uh, Iowa, I saw went down to three 
uh, William Hill Caesars and at three. I mean, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised it's come down from that number that we talked about mm-hmm. earlier in the year, but to hit three, uh, that, that, that seems like a pretty good play in my book over Indiana. Look, we, we've talked about Indiana at nauseum uh, over the summer and how I, I don't think a lot of the things that they did last year are going to translate and carry over in terms of the, the red zone touchdown percentage and the, and, and the turnovers they forced and just having that special season where uh, in, in getting a whole bunch of accomplishments that they just haven't done uh, in a long time. Kirk Ferentz's program is built on teams like this where you just one wave of upperclassmen leaves, the, the next one who's been in the program come in and they it's just a seamless transition. They were close to being undefeated last year, and these are the types of games that Iowa wings. Uh, if, if you go back uh, since 2015 when they reached that Big Ten championship game, uh, in games where they've been favored by, by fewer than six points, uh, there's been 16 of them. They're 15 and one on the field, and the, the one loss was uh, last year against Purdue in a game that they really should have won. Yeah. So I'll, I'll take my chances with – with, with, with Iowa at home, laying three. So, I mean, sure, it's not a guarantee that if they win, they're going to cover, but I'll, I'll take my chances there with Iowa. And, and then I like Notre Dame uh, at Florida State laying the seven and a half. I just have too many questions about the Florida State defense. And I think Notre Dame is kind of a little under, I don't want to say under the radar because it just sounds like a bad verbal crutch. But, but, but I think people are a little bit more down on Notre Dame than they probably should be just based on how they ended the year in the ACC championship game and in the college football playoff. I, I think Cone is going to come in and be more than serviceable as a replacement to Ian Book. Uh, I think at wide receiver, they're going to have more speed and more playmakers on the field. Uh, you get a Florida State defense who has to try and slow down Kyron Williams and a matchup nightmare at tight end with Michael Mayer. Uh, I, think Marcus, I think Marcus Freeman has – guys on that defense to work with, even without Lufau. Um, I, I like Notre Dame laying that up. That's seven and a half. Uh, I love what Notre Dame's offense brings to the table uh, this year. I've said it, and I know George people and Alabama people are going to be mad at me and other places, but I think I'll take the Notre Dame backfield over anybody in the country. I, I think those guys are that good. Um, and I think Cone's going to have more speed to throw to on the outside. I mean, I know they got Skoranek back, you know, from Northwestern last year, and he was a security blanket for Ian Book. But now I think you have a down-the-field threat. Legit, which, why legit which, deep threats? Which, which really helps you. And 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 I, I know everybody wants to talk about Cone, Wisconsin court. Like, the guy led you to a Rose Bowl. Mm-hmm. You know, like, he's not some slouch that – that I just – I expect him – and now he's what got he a, meant in that – And he's got a hell of a under, lot more talent around him here than he did in Madison. Do no not offense, underestimate what, Do not underestimate what he meant in the locker room, too, to yeah. Wisconsin. I think kind of things got a little sideways last year when when Mertz – you couldn't venture – I can't blame Paul Christ, I mean, with what Mertz did in that opener. But, but I think Cone was the team guy, and uh, I think Notre Dame's going to be very, very happy with him this year. Yeah, all right. Those are your two. I got some hair written down. Uh, you mentioned it, and I am going uh, – I feel confident. San Jose State plus 14. Um, this is – I know there's um, analytic guys and guys that look at this that crunch the numbers and, and do do way more numbers game stuff and, and you know, research than I do. 
But I think San Jose State getting the game under their belt last week, and I know it was against Southern Utah. I watched it. Southern Utah is not a good football team. But when you look at the returning starters, you look at Starkle and how he had to replace receivers, they got some guys. I saw it last week. And and the way they spread you out, the veteran the veteran um, group they have, um, the coach, uh, I think Brennan's phenomenal. I think this game's going to be tight. Uh, it's a weird 2 o'clock local kickoff for SC. Um, obviously, SC, they know they got all the pressure on them. But when you look at San Jose State, we look at what they did last year. We look at how they view this kind of game where they could play an in-state Pac-12 school. This is their Super Bowl. And I expect a great effort from San Jose State. I think they keep it within the 14 points uh, there. Same kind of situation for a Mountain West team going to play a Pac-12 team. And this one is kind of along the same lines. Fresno State, I like, plus 20 and a half. They're going to Eugene. We know Eugene's going to Columbus next week. This game's an 11 a.m. kick. Local time. Like, Austin Stadium is a tough place to play. It's a hell of a lot tougher at night than it is at 11 in the morning. Uh, in Fresno State, I mean, the old Pat Hill, what is it, anytime, anywhere, any place, whatever, whatever, you know. They they just had a, a group of guys, you know, they've obviously, you know, DeBoer, I think, is a phenomenal coach. I expect him to get Jake, a power five I think five Jake Hayner might be a little fired up about playing the Ducks and, in Eugene. And that's what I'm saying. Like, Hayner against Oregon? Are you kidding me? Uh, you show – I mean, I know it's UConn, and, and these two teams played nobody's last week. But to be able to go out there and run your stuff and, and show what you have, I, I like that idea coming in as an underdog role against Pac-12 teams who have playoff aspirations. Um you know, it's, it's one thing. I mean, Bear, these teams were allowed nine padded practices. Nine practices you got. <laughs> all camp in full pads. That's it. Um, and you talk to any coach out there, they don't they – don't, I mean, they have an idea. Um, you know, they're confident in their ways to see who their best players are, but they still could be working out positions. Best guys not, might, might not be playing at these schools, you know, right off the get. And I'll take my shot with those underdogs. Um, Cal – is a team that's a scary game right there. Yeah. Um, I, I I'm gonna take my shot with the Bears. Uh everyone knows how much I think of, of Wilcox, the head coach. I I think they're a team when you look at last year, I throw it out. I don't I don't mm-hmm. I don't look into it. Um, I, I think it's a, it was an aberration um and, and what they had to deal with. Nevada's a team with a lot of hype coming in, man. A lot of hype. And if you followed them at all, they, they went and practiced at Stanford because of the air quality in Reno. And I just feel like a, a, a Cal team that really needs to get off on a, on a, on a good foot. Uh, Garbers is obviously back for uh, at quarterback, which I've been feel like I've been saying for a whole decade. Um, but I trust Cal in this spot to take care of business. Uh, I mentioned Nevada. They got to they got to go to uh, I think it's next week. They go to Manhattan. Um, so I, I, I like Cal in this, in this spot. Yeah. Your Wildcats. Those are our Wildcats this year. Cause we're on their season win total, <laughs> which gets me to them, um, against Stanford and Kansas state's minus three and the over under is 53. I'm not sure what I'm going to put in the column here. I like Kansas state and I like the under, I don't know if I want to throw a little parlay. I don't know if I want to throw a tease. I might throw it all. Um, but when you look at Stanford, rare favorite and under parlay. Yes. The, when you look at Stanford, if McKee hasn't won this job in camp over West, 
that is a problem for the offense. Um, you know, he's the one that's had the hype. Everybody was looking forward to it. And now he hasn't won the job. That doesn't bode well for me in that Stanford offense. Um, Got to replace Dahlman and little guys that were drafted on the offensive line. They're not going to have their best receiver in Wilson uh, for this game. And the defense still has a lot of work to do to me. Um, you know, they, they played well when they had to, but their offense won those games late last year. Uh, when you talk about at Washington and at UCLA, uh, there's no more Davis Mills there. And I, 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 it just scares me for the offense trying to become what they are for a good David Shaw offense if, if McKee hasn't won that job by now. Um, just seeing what we've seen from West when he's had to play and it has not been good. And I, I've talked about Kansas State in the offseason. I believe in how they go about things. And one little thing I, I will say, Kansas State, when, the, when those guys were at North Dakota State, they used to go out every year and, 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 and sit down and, and meet with the Stanford coaching staff when Bloomgren was there. So I think they know a lot of the intricacies of that Stanford offense. So I like Kansas State. And I like games in Jerry World, um, but I like Kansas State. Uh, I like the under in that game. Yeah, again, there, there were three games that I was looking at as well. That I uh, that I thought about. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was Texas State getting 14 against Baylor. Uh, I think for the Bobcats to have one of the big schools in the state mm-hmm. coming to their place, no doubt. You're a 14 point home dog against a team that uh, new offense with, with with crimes, and you don't know how that's going to translate to the guys that are currently on the roster. You think the defense will probably be better. Um, but again, I don't know what we're going to expect from the Baylor offense this year. It's certainly not going to be as, as powerful as the BYU offense was last year with, with Zach Wilson and uh, Allegier and, and, and the guys that they had on that offense. So, so I, I, could, I, I could get behind Case. And, and maybe by the time I write, write the column, the, a couple of these might be in there. Mm-hmm. Remember how I've been saying all summer about I thought the wrong team was favored in South Alabama, Southern Miss? Yeah. And had South Alabama as an underdog. Now they are favored. They're now minus one. So it's flipped over. Um, I'll see if I still put it in the column at minus one, but it being that I have it already at plus one and a half, there's no need for me to play it at minus one. Um, <laughs> and then the, the game that I think we are all kind of focused on, and I hate taking it at five and a half because I, I'd much rather have six than five and a half, or maybe you just play it on the money line is UTSA at Illinois. And uh-huh. we, we all knew Illinois was going to be improved and they were going to put forth a much better effort um, this year with, with Bielma and the, and the new staff, and they did. When we go back, this is a game we t- – I want to touch on Penn State-Wisconsin. This is a game we talked about. I think when the lines were first came out um, this summer, you you talked about Wisconsin. This thing is up to five and a half now. And it's going to keep um, going, I think. You do. I, I would – if this gets to seven, I'm definitely taking Penn State. Um, That's too many seven. I, I just I feel I, I'm I'm I talked about Penn State under uh, nine wins this year. Obviously, this would be uh, cataclysmic to that if they were to win this game. But interesting, I, I love the conference games to start the year. I, I I know Saban always talks about playing not a conference game big to keep your attention. You know during offseason workouts, this gets my attention way more um, with the conference game here. Um, as you stroll down, I. I was going to say, ahead. doesn't West Virginia Maryland feel like a conference game, even though it's not? Well, I was saving that one because that's the biggest game of the year of week because I'm going. I'm going to Snake Beautiful. Pit. I'm going to check it out, and uh, I, I'm excited. Uh, pretty good. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, these are two schools like I. 
moving here. I didn't realize how close. I mean, they're a lot, a lot closer. I'm a hell of a lot closer to Morgantown than I was when I was in Connecticut. <laughs> and I didn't realize that. Sorry, geography people. Uh, but yeah, fire up. I mean, there's plenty of uh, talk is there's tons of uh, mountaineers. I mean, I'm not far from the border, but they're, they're all coming down. And, and when you read, you know, locks, he, he likes his team. I mean, they got NFL guys at the, at the skill positions. There's no doubt. Um, they, they've, they've said they like the talent they've brought in on the defensive side. That's obviously where, um, you know, they need to improve. And I know everybody talks about the offensive line, but if you have a guy that can get the ball out and you can have speed that gets the ball on the perimeter, you don't need the 95 Nebraska offensive line. You know, you could you could find ways to get the guys uh, the ball in space. So I'm really interested in that game. I think Maryland should be favored in that game. I, I don't I don't think uh, West Virginia is, is a very unknown to me what they bring to the table offensively. Um, I still think they're away a, a year away with Neil Brown. So I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in that game uh, and we'll be there. The one I had circled that I don't think I'm going to give out just because I there's not a, I can't get enough info on the Broncos and that's Western Michigan. They're getting 17 and in Ann Arbor. And I just I look at Michigan and I, I've done a couple radio things this this week. And I just like Michigan always has an NFL receiver. They always have an NFL running back. They're not, right not <laughs> they're not on the roster now. They're not there. And I just from Pasadena. a standpoint of, <laughs> of an underdog coming in, and you're playing a team where nobody really wants like we hey, we don't have to double this receiver. You know, we don't have to bring another guy down the box to stop the run. That's a we know the heat that that that's on there. Um, so it's it's a it's a game I'll have my eyes on. If I had to lean, I would do that. If you go back and, and look, I mean, this is not a spot that Michigan has typically done well in. Is no. double-digit favorites is, is greater than a ten-point favorite, uh, three and seven against the number in their last ten games, uh, and that includes uh, the outright loss as a twenty-one and a half-point favorite last year against Sparty, and the uh, the triple overtime win against the State University of New Jersey. So uh, big, uh, big favorite. Uh, not not necessarily a uh, a great spot for for Michigan. Speaking of big favorites, Bear, the number one team in the country against your Canes, I think I believe it's 19 and a half now, 61 and a half. And as depth charts are coming out and, um, you know, everybody I think still has fun with how they do depth charts and uh, actually heard Greg McElroy <laughs> talking about USC, no doubt has the record for oars on their uh, depth chart. He was talking about having to prep for an SC game. He's like, they have like 11 receivers where they put starters or, 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 or he's like, I got to do 11 receivers. He's like, you're not going to play 11 receivers in a game. But anyway, when you look at Miami, uh, I was looking at the D line. They're going to average like 255 across that defensive line against Alabama's offensive line. And when I think about Nick Saban coming in, knowing the prowess they have on the defensive side of the ball, knowing he has a new offensive coordinator and Bill O'Brien, who I think there's going to be a transition with for the players. And when I talk about, I, I mean, O'Brien, I think is more of that old school, obviously with saving that he's going to be a hard ass, you know, he's going to want more attention to detail. Whereas Sark is, is, is more of a rah, rah, you know, let's stay positive with our players because we're going to come out and, and give them every opportunity. And when I look at this game, I just don't see how Miami's going to be able to stand up to them from the defensive standpoint. Now, Manny's going to throw everything he has at him as far as blitzes and movement 
and all that kinds of stuff to try and create negative plays, which he has to do. That's the only way they have a chance. I just fear that Alabama has too much when it, when it comes down to it. And I think about the game he ended up bringing uh, Jalen Hurts out into the, into, the, into the limelight in that opener. I believe it was against Wisconsin and Jerry World years back where mm-hmm. he didn't let who the starter was going to be. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, Jalen Hurts. And then he's like, and Saban after the game was like, why would I tell you who was going to play quarterback if I didn't have to? And I just thought it was classic Saban and being able to do the things uh, to help his team, you know, become successful. And when you look at that Alabama defense, I know Thibodeau is everybody's favorite guy, but I'll take 31 Will Anderson as far as as, as it goes rushing the passer. The guy is an absolute man child out there. Um, you couple back, you know, couple that with with 2020 as the starting middle linebacker from Tennessee, the secondary they have and the experience they have. I think things are going to be really tough for Miami. And I worry about the the up tempo that Lashley wants to bring. And are you, is that tempo going to be a factor if you can't keep getting positive plays? And against that Alabama defense, we've seen them swallow up offenses like this in years past. And I, I worry about Miami. I don't want to give the 19 and a half because I, I still am not sure. Uh, but I, I, I could see Alabama running, running away with this one. If I had to pick a side, I would take them in this game. Yeah, I would. Too. You mentioned the, the, the Lashley offenses the last couple of times that they faced Alabama have not fared. Uh, very, very well. I mean, mm-hmm. I look at it the, uh, at the flip side as well. Um, so Miami team that really struggled stopping the run last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now you lose a couple, you lose your best two defensive linemen. Um, are you going to be better? I, I know Manny is going to be more hands-on on the defense, but in, until you prove that you can stop, and this is, this is what Alabama is going to do, that they're going to be more, you're going to, you're going to see uh, much more, uh, from that offensive line and a much more physical running game than you have in the past. And this is a, a Saban type of team that is going to be uh, carried, I think, a little bit and feature the defense a little bit more. There aren't going to yeah. be as many 51-31 uh, type of games uh, that they had a majority of last season before the defense really cranked it up late. Um, I think Miami's going to have a hard time scoring points, and, and I would lay the points. Um, and I, And I've said this before. And I apologize if you've if you've heard it before, but my, the, the the key for Miami here is to not let this game dictate the remainder of the season. Mm. Uh, the loss to LSU a couple of years ago, a big SEC team at the start of the year, spiraled that season yeah. out of control. They had all those expectations, and they just get absolutely annihilated and never recovered. Uh, if they lose by four touchdowns, they can't let it that result get them down for the remainder of the year, knowing that they still have a chance to get to the ACC championship. If they happen to pull the upset or play Alabama super tight, you can't be like, okay, well, we're not going to play a team like that the rest of the year. We're going to step on the field and beat everybody we play. So Miami just needs to play good for them for playing the game. Um, but Thanks to Mark Rick for that one. Don't, yeah, exactly. <laughs> look, look at their schedule a couple of like they had, yeah, all, all Mark uh, agreed to some some crazy games coming up on the uh, the schedule. So we'll see, but just don't let this game uh, beat you more than once potentially. Understood. Uh, I will say this: if Miami, wins, State, I think they got App State next week too. If if Miami wins this game, they should be number one in the country. That's all I'm saying. Rank them number one. You beat number. You beat number one. You become number one. Well, That's what, what I say, if, right? What about what about if what about if Georgia? Don't care. Don't care. This is a better care. win. 
This is a better win. Um, all right. Uh, plenty of game. This is my most interested game in. I'll have it on the DVR. And it's a Fox game, so it'll probably kick at 6 o'clock, even though they're saying 4.30 <laughs> Eastern. It's Louisiana at Austin. And when you when you look at all – I mean, we could go on for days about um, what interests me in this game, but it just comes down to the identity and, and the idea of what Texas is going to look like with Sark, knowing how physical Louisiana is going to want to be with Napier as a head coach. We know what Louisiana has done last year and aims to start the season – and I just think it's fascinating. I mean, you talk to the people within the program. They love what they're getting out of card. But that's not the issue to me with Texas. Will they have the personnel to stand up and play 60 against a really good football team? And I grabbed this. I think I got 10 and a half uh, back in um, – God, it might have been late July when they were released. And now it's down to eight. The over-under is 58. Uh, Louisiana does not just want, want this to be a high-scoring game. Um but I, I think it's fascinating to see. We talked about what Texas has next week in Fayetteville. But this is – this. I, I feel like we're going to learn a lot about both these teams uh, in this game. Um, so I, I'm really interested in seeing that game in Austin on Saturday. I am too, uh, just to see the whole quarterback dynamic. With, yeah. You know, I'm saying Casey Thompson is going to play as well. Yep. Uh, I'm, I'm interested to see what Texas has on the perimeter uh, as well. I don't know. I'm, I'm a little worried. I'd be a little worried about backing Louisiana here yeah. just because it seems like the obvious side. Uh, maybe it is. Mm -hmm. uh, but as it, it, good as they were last year, uh, so many of those games were, 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 were close. So their record could have been a lot worse than what it was. And maybe you credit uh, the players and Billy Napier and the staff for being able to, to pull the games out. Uh I, I still have questions about Lewis throwing the ball. He, he looks a little – makes a couple yep. of shaky throws from time mm -hmm. to time, and I wonder if against a, uh, a, a team like Texas with the, uh, the players that they have on that side of the ball, if that's going to be a, uh, an issue or not. Yeah, I, I think a great hire was Sark, was getting Kwiatkowski as, as the yeah. D.C. So I, I expect a lot of improvement there, even though Ash, I thought, did a good job. Uh, in his one year as the Texas DC, um, moving down the slate time-wise, uh, Coach Petrino at Stillwater. We'll let we'll see how that one uh, plays out. Um, and Clemson and Georgia, um, seven thirty ABC. You'll be in the truck. Uh, what's what we got for temperature there? What's what we got weather? In Charlotte, I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be okay Saturday night. Eighty-eight Saturday night. Um, to me. When you're just trying to read and in, in, in about these two games in the depth chart, we know about the injuries on both sides. It's crazy to me that both these teams have issues at the center position. Mm -hmm. And when you think about the guys that Georgia and Clemson could put on the ball from a defensive standpoint, that worries me. Um, I, the over-under is 51. I think defense is going to dominate this game. And when I think about a side, I'll take Uyunglele over JT Daniels. I'll take him right now, and I think I'll take him later in the year also. And I think the Clemson quick game is going to be able to neutralize that better than Georgia. And, you know, we talked about the injuries Georgia's had at receiver. I still think Clemson has plenty of playmakers on the perimeter to offset maybe those, hand, those problems they're having up front. We know Clemson's offensive line has, has been a problem. 
in yeah, years past. Big but they, problem running. Big. They, they yep. couldn't run the ball even with Etn last year. And so. and and I don't think I don't think they'll they'll try and you know throw the ball against a brick wall. I I, I should say run the ball against a brick wall. I think you know DJ has the the goods to do it. I lean Clemson here. Uh, I don't love it. Um, like I said, there's so much talent on the field where you're going to have those crazy negative plays. Emotion is going to be so much a part of this game. Uh, and two teams that are, I think, you know, they're pretty familiar with each other. They played a bunch of, you know, all these guys know each other. Um, but it, it, it's a game where I know people see a top five matchup. I still think these teams, you know, the loser of this game can play their way into the, into the playoff. Um, knowing how their schedules formidable, you know, from, from here on out. So it's, it's 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 a game where you got great defenses going against really good quarterbacks, um, and who's going to have enough guys to make plays? Um, it should be you know it should be really fun to see how this plays out. I the two things uh, you hit on a defensive coordinator hire over at Texas, uh-huh. well with with Kwiatkowski. the fact uh, I I think that Kirby was able to bring in Will uh, yeah. as an analyst, and now with. Uh, Scott Cochran taking his leave. Now he gets Will hands-on uh, on the field. That that is a massive coup for for that for that Georgia defense. You're able to have Will Muschamp. And yeah, look, say what you want about Will as a head coach and being stubborn and his offensive mentality. Fine, whatever. The guy can coach defense. You're not and getting that, one bad word out of me about Will Muschamp. And, no and, chance. And that is that is good. That is going to be a great hire for. Uh, for Georgia, yep. Um, now I forgot what, what what my second my my second part of this. Uh, oh, I know what it was going to be. You talked about the winner still having a chance. This game, I think, from a college football playoff standpoint, is much bigger for Clemson. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think I mean they could still get in with a loss, of course. In, if Clemson were to lose this game, they are rooting for Georgia to win the SEC. Yep. Because if Georgia were to lose to Alabama or LSU or AM or whomever uh, in the SEC championship game, and they have a 12 and 1 mark, and maybe they're not SEC champ, but they did beat Clemson early in the year in that head to head, and Clemson's sitting there with the same record, I can see the committee putting, Clemson, putting Georgia in over Clemson. So uh, I think from the standpoint of who needs the win more, I think Clemson, the win for them is more imperative towards their long-term goals than it is Georgia. Yeah, it's – and it's – it's just, I just can't wait to see every week how we look, go back and look at this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously the result – I mean, I, I go back to when Michigan State went out to Eugene and how much we held that game uh, as, as Michigan State got better. Obviously, you expect these teams to get better as the year goes on. And, and having that close loss for a Big Ten team at a top five, you know, Pac-12 team, it's just – it's, it's amazing to me how we go back and look at this. Um, would you rather take Georgia plus the three or UCLA plus the three? Georgia. Why? Why don't you like UCLA as much? I like UCLA. I do too. A lot. I, I'd rather – but in this spot, I, I would rather take Georgia because I think um, the, the, the move of this, this UCLA line down to three now – Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not going to be this sneak up surprise factor now uh, on LSU. I, I think everyone is aware now of, of, of UCLA and whether that makes a difference or not, who knows, but 
But I, I still think from a talent standpoint, LSU has more talent than UCLA. And, and the fact that you could have had this, this game at four and a half or whatever last week, and now it's down to yeah. three. And I guarantee you it's going to close under three. Uh, I, I think Ooh. this is one, I think this is one way traffic. Uh, I, I think everybody is going to be on UCLA and those types of games worry me again. Maybe mm-hmm. I read too much into that crap, but I, I'm yeah. openly admitting that, mm-hmm. but, uh, but, but, but knowing that I'm going to be on a, a public side in, in, in a game that, that they are, they don't have the better team and it'll, it'll look, maybe, maybe it'll prove that they do have the better team, but late in the year, but I think after everything that LSU, um, went through last year and then the, the coaching changes, uh, they should be better defensively, and they're trying to re- rekindle that stuff on offense. Um, look, Chip's a friend, and I, I hope I hope they go out and win. But um, we'll see what happens on Saturday night. We're really, really curious to see how this game goes now that people see the type of player Charbonnet is. And, and I think if you're a UCLA fan, uh, you've got to be some pleasantly surprised that uh, they went out and did that, and, and, and DTR didn't even have his best game. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it shows you the ceiling that this UCL offense uh, might have this year. Really, really, really looking forward to turning this game on in the truck on Saturday night in Charlotte and, and, and watching. But uh, if you're asking me who would I rather take, Clemson or, or I mean, Georgia or UCLA, I would take Georgia. It certainly doesn't mean I wouldn't take UCLA. Uh-huh. I could have had the Bruins at a better number. Kind of give me a little bit of hesitancy. Chip Kelly run, loves to run the football, and I think it's fascinating because when you look at LSU, as far as the team goes, give me those two corners over any other roster in the country. You say that, you say that, and and, and but they were they were awful against the pass, terrible, like awful, terrible, and it's something. If you're if you're that good, don't you overcome? Uh, what a bad scheme, maybe, or some no. breakdowns along the, like they were terrible. Yeah, they, we're just gonna we're just gonna pin this on Polini and, and and the scheme, and not that the fact that these guys maybe aren't as good as the the, the clippings indicate that they are. I I will say this: I I I don't think they gave their best effort. You talked about Miami spiraling after that loss to LSU a couple of years ago. This team was done. The defense was done after Week One last year. Bear, they were done. And you talk about the success they had less than 12 months ago. You know, when you look at back the year before and in, in, in winning a national title and you go and you, you do that, the, the, the kids are fragile now. But I, I expect them to be buy in here. And, 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 I, and I put that on. Oh, I, I think he I think he earns or he you know, he demands um, the, the, the respect back. They got up off the deck and, and finished the year. Uh, you know, with that crazy win in Florida and went toe-to-toe with AM where they were totally overmatched. Um, but with, with this is the idea that Chip loves to run the ball and the ability UCLA, or I should say LSU, could do is just take those corners and put them out on an island and bring everybody now in the box to, de- to, to defend that run game. That's where the, the, the fascination with this matchup comes to me because Chip is just incredible with – all the eye candy he could throw at your linebackers and safeties from a side-to-side standpoint and, and, and getting your eyes everywhere where they're not supposed to be, and you watch those carries that Charbonneau had, and he is just getting the ball coming straight downhill where you are flat-footed and not looking where you're supposed to. That's where it comes down to me. 
LSU's discipline on defense, will they have it? On the other side, UCLA's talked about their defense. Coach Az has, has talked about how much he loves this group. Here you go. Put to the test against an SEC offense, and let's see what you got. Um, I, I, I do think the, the factor is I don't, I'm not sure if UCLA can win on the outside. If they do, they're going to win the game. If, if, yes. if DTR can throw the ball, they're going to win the game. There's no doubt. So how much could Chip do with that play action? And like I said, getting the eye candy where you're not supposed to be looking, and that goes to the corners too. You know, where as and that's why I think LSU is better off just saying, "Hey, let's go man on the outside, and and we'll we'll handle everything else." And that's where you get to the creativity of Chip. Um, our guy Big Cat did point out that Chip brought back the visor last week, so he's back and ready uh, with his confidence standpoint. Um, he did not answer my text on that one. The swag, yep. I, yeah. All about black the T-shirts back. Um, but it's it's awesome. I, I'm I'm really fired up. This is exactly what we wanted. When you wanted UCLA to do what they did in Week One, and LSU come in uh, with the bravado that they have as a program. Um, again, obviously thinking everybody uh, down in Louisiana. Uh, I understand. You know things happen. I know they were planning on getting a big following out to that game, and and we know what's happened with the hurricane. So hopefully everybody's safe and, and, and sound and being able to watch this game uh, as best as possible. Um, so that's – man, I cannot wait for that game. Uh, and then any Sunday night, you like the Irish. And Monday night, I don't know how you take the under in that game. Um, so, Big Mike, happy recap. Fresno State plus the 20 and a half. Kansas State, we'll just say we'll give the three and the under. San Jose State plus the 14, and Cal minus three. I got Iowa minus three against Indiana. Notre Dame minus seven and a half against Florida State. Uh, Money line parlay, uh, NC State, Ohio State, Cincinnati, Alabama, USC, Georgia Tech, Oregon, and then a couple of underdogs to play on the money line. I take a look at Rice potentially as a, as a massive underdog, just a little bit. Uh, Charlotte, uh, I think that line stinks and losing by 100 last year. Mm. Uh, revenge, motivation. Maryland, who, who, who we, I think we both like. Oregon State. Uh, UTSA, who I mentioned. I, I think they, they win the game or get blown out. And then uh, Utah State. Uh, I think Blake Anderson and bringing in a couple of guys from, from Arkansas State. Got a quarterback, mm. got a wide receiver against the Wazoo team. I don't know what to expect from them this year at all. I don't think anybody does. Uh, I think Utah State, a plus 550, 600 is on the money line. Might be worth a little little shot as well. All right. Uh, before you take us away, if you want more college football talk, check out the ESPN College Football Podcast. This year, it's five days a week, Sunday through Thursday. Herbie, Pollock, Feinbaum, Reese Davis, Matt Berry, Kevin Nagandi, Joey Galloway, Booger McFarlane, all have you covered. Download the ESPN College Football Podcast and us, Sam or Steven the Bear, wherever you get your podcast. Bear, happy travels. Good luck. Hopefully we start the year off well and everybody is happy uh, Saturday when the games start going final and I don't have to go on my phone and see people, <laughs> including me, on being mad at you about taking Nebraska last week. Did you get any Venmo requests? I got a couple of Venmo requests for the, <laughs> for the worst advice for the worst advice ever. Yes, I'm sorry that I'm sorry there was an awful roughing the passer call that 
negated a negated a turnover and you would have been up a touchdown and have the ball on plus territory. And yeah, I'm, 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 I'm sorry. I gave that advice. Are the DMS open yet bear? Are your, are your DMS no. open? All right. no. Mine are, if you need any questions and you don't want to get to the bear in public, I'll, I'll, I'll say it. Send them to me. We'll get them on the pod next week. Or, you know, or just, or just put them on our timeline. Just, just tweet at us. But also do that. All right. Take us away. Less you bet, the more you lose when you win. You can listen or follow the Stanford Steve and the Bear podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Plus, don't miss more from Stanford Steve on ESPN Sports Center with Scott Van Pelt. And check out the Bear on College Game Day on ESPN. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/network. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com/network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify.com/network. <laughs>